Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! Of course, keeping an eye on the roads, the inclement weather... We will have a complete update on traffic with Alan Green, along with uh, Wish TV meteorologists. We are on it all night long. My name is Nigel. That's Jason Hammer right over there. What'd you think when you saw uh, DeSantis, Ron DeSantis, drop out of the 2024 presidential race? What'd you think? First impressions. I was at the bowling alley in Louisville, Kentucky. My son's college team had a tournament down there. So I'm sitting there watching some bowling, and I started hearing my phone go, ding, 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 ding. Like It was like a slot machine going off. And I thought, okay, did something happen in the playoff football game, which was happening at the same time? No. It was the news and all the text messages that Ron DeSantis, the man who for a long time people thought could be the only guy that could compete and go toe-to-toe with Donald Trump— bowed out of the race, limped out of the race, and it just never got going, did it? Um, Yeah, his campaign, I mean, the fact that he waited so long to uh, announce that, you know, I think he declared way too late for me. Um, Some people mention his lack of charisma, his lack of appeal, you know. I don't get that lack of charisma as much as other people do I mean he was fiery in those debates? He had great policy uh, decisions and uh, great policy points in those debates. But um, I think not coming to Trump's defense when Trump was being attacked by Biden and the DOJ um, when all that stuff was going on, I, I think that really hurt him. And I just don't think it was his time. I always said the basic answer here is just wasn't his time. And like uh, Alex Marlowe, editor in chief of Breitbart, said last uh, Friday when he was on our show, um, I, I just, you know, it was always going to be Trump. As right. soon as Biden's DOJ is trying to silence Trump um, and, you know, federal charges coming down and all that stuff, it was it. That was over for both these candidates, really. I think there were mistakes made along the way, though. The way that it kicked off, the way the campaign rolled out with that mess of a Twitter space. Oh, yeah, the Twitter space. Tried to get too cute, tried to appeal to the younger voters, and it was a train wreck. Did not work, did not resonate with people. And I agree 100% with you. I think he got in too late. It's like there's a little window where you want to declare. Normally, you don't want to get in too early because then people have time to pick and poke and find what's wrong with you. Now, Trump got in early, but he was trying to fight legal stuff. And he's also a former president. But some people who get in too early, it's a mistake. DeSantis waited too late. And I don't like the way his campaign staff presented him to the masses. Like, Ron DeSantis is a great governor. Yeah. Highlight that. This was a college athlete. This was a guy that served his country. This is a guy that drinks beers when he goes to the Tampa Bay Bucks football games. That's who he is. And they try to pass him off as like some... Corporate establishment. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was a huge mistake. Here is part of the announcement that Ron DeSantis made on Sunday. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. I'm proud to have delivered on 100% of my promises, and I will not stop now. It's clear to me that a majority of Republican primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. They watch his presidency get stymied by relentless resistance, and they see Democrats using lawfare this day to attack him. 
I've had disagreements with Donald Trump, such as on the coronavirus pandemic and his elevation of Anthony Fauci, Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. That is clear. I signed a pledge to support the Republican nominee, and I will honor that pledge. He has my endorsement because we can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear, a repackage formed of warmed over corporatism that Nikki Haley represents. Not exactly like a rousing endorsement. You know what I mean? Like not a fiery, I'm going in on Trump now. This is it. It was kind of more of a, well, he did elevate Fauci, but I guess I'll have to vote for him. What I took from that, <laughs> Nikki Haley sucks. Well, yeah, there's that, too. That's what yeah. I took from that little last part that you heard from the governor of Florida. Basically, and again, I'm paraphrasing. I don't really like this guy. He ripped me. He called me Meatball Ron. <laughs> he called me DeSanctimonious. They ripped on my wife and accused her of faking cancer treatments. But if my options are this guy or Nikki Haley, <laughs> screw the ice queen. I'm hitching my wagon to Donald Trump. Oh, the worst part of the insults were the, um, the rumors about the shoe lifts. The, the, <laughs> the, right. the lifts in Ron DeSantis' shoes to make him taller. I couldn't have put up with that. That would have canceled my endorsement immediately. So DeSantis has endorsed Trump. Vivek Ramaswamy, who dropped out after Iowa, has endorsed Donald Trump. Tim Scott came out and said he's endorsing Donald Trump over his fellow uh, South Carolina partner in crime, Nikki Haley. So those are some big-time endorsements going yeah. to Donald Trump. Tomorrow, big night, the New Hampshire primary. We've got coverage all throughout the day, afternoon, and evening here at 93 WIBC. If Nikki Haley gets boat raced, if she loses by 20 to 30 percent in New Hampshire, is there going to be pressure put on by the RNC for her to say, look, yeah. you've got to quit this. I know we're going into your home state here soon, but this is money we're wasting that we could be using to attack Joe Biden here. You've got to quit. You've got to pack it up. To quote Kramer in the Seinfeld episode, <laughs> you got to shut up. <laughs> I mean, in the fact that DeSantis dropped out and endorsed Donald Trump is sort of a poison pill for her campaign. You realize that, right? I mean, that's, I mean, tr Trump was in the, what was it, 40s or 50s, and now he's damn near 60% in New Hampshire right. at this point. Even if they have a big Democrat turnout for the Republican primary in New Hampshire, I can't see Nikki Haley now with the Ramaswamy supporters, not all of them, but a lot of them, and I think the majority of the DeSantis supporters jumping on the Trump train here. If Nikki Haley thought she had a window of 10 to 15 percent, I think that's gone now to 2025. It's going to be real tough for her. And I want to see how Ronna McDaniel handles this if it's a blowout. Now, if Nikki Haley is within 10%, let's say 10's the number here, she's going to throw a parade. She's going to say that she's still in this thing. Yeah. She's going to her home state. And this whole process is going to keep going on and on, even though every single state, when you look at the polling, all the polls, not even outliers, they've got Donald Trump heavily beating the brakes off of Nikki Haley. So, New Hampshire primary tomorrow, again, here at 93 WIBC. We will keep you up to date with everything you need to know. Um, Ford has announced the reduction of EV truck 
outputs, Notch. <laughs> you don't say. Wonder why. Ford is cutting back production of its F-150 Lightning electric vehicle. Yeah, that was the same model. That, that was that stupid... <laughs> President Biden. That was the model he took a test drive for. Right. That was it. That was it. And so, what do you mean? And, and, and not only are they, they, they cutting back production, but they're laying people off. And I, at the beginning of all this thing, when you know there's a big push from the government for these companies to start uh, investing in electric vehicles and production, they had to fire a bunch of people then, too. If you look at the numbers here, uh, per the official announcement, they're reducing the F-150 Lightning output in 2024 amid slower-than-projected growth. Um, <laughs> what? I mean, what was it? The the uh, news story last week of all the Teslas freezing up in Chicago and right. how the charging stations don't work? Now, how many people in the latest round of negotiations between the auto workers and the big manufacturers agreed that, oh, we're going to take these jobs about electric vehicles. That's going to be the future. Yeah. How long did that last? The automakers looked at this and said, this isn't working. And I'm sorry. Give me a good old-fashioned gas-powered vehicle when I have to drive in Chicago or Michigan or Wisconsin or Cleveland. What are these places where if you get stranded oh, on the side of the road yeah. in one of those winter storms, you're donezo. Now, don't get me wrong. I've seen tons of Teslas out on the road this, these past few weeks when it's been brutal out here in Indy. But they have charging stations at home that they could go to. Right. I mean, this is not so like I'm not downing EVs. I, I want a Tesla. I think they're cool. I'd drive one if I could, if I could afford it. But, you know, Pete Buttigieg wants everybody to buy a Tesla. Apparently, he thinks that everybody has, you know, uh, six figure incomes and uh, and and enough money to install a two thousand dollar charging station and things like that. The Biden administration said they wanted 50% electric vehicles on the market by 2030. Okay. Well, here we are in 2024. Six years from now, you're expecting half of everybody out here to have an electric vehicle when the headlines right now are, these things can't handle the winter. <laughs> I think you got a long, long way to go there, Skippy. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey, look, Mom, You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Oh, man, great weekend of divisional NFL football. I'm, I, I, you know what? I set up on my couch starting about four o'clock on Saturday and did not move <laughs> except to get up and take a leak and get a refill. And uh, so now we have the AFC and NFC championship set. Chiefs at Ravens at three o'clock this Sunday, and then over the NFC, the Lions and the 49ers at six thirty. Great games, man. I can't. So wait. the Vegas Lions are out. The Ravens are a three and a half point home favorite and the 49ers are a six and a half point home favorite against Detroit. I mean the way that Chiefs Bills game ended last night. <laughs> Poor so, Bills fans. So awful. Wide wide right, wide right. Didn't they lose a game like that? I mean they lost a Super Bowl. Yeah, a like Super Bowl that. like that. Yeah. I mean Bills kickers have been ripping the <laughs> hearts out of their chest for years and 
Anything that could go wrong did go wrong for the Bills. Their star receiver drops a long, would-be touchdown pass. And I know all this because I bet on the Bills. (laughs) And, man, so now we've got... Is that what Rob yelling at you earlier today about? Oh, yeah. He got his panties in a twist because I said that, you know... He's just been chewing out Trump so much. Don't forget, Joe Biden sucks, too. (laughs) And that was all I was saying. And he got his panties all in a twist. And his counter argument was, well, I lost on your crappy bed. (laughs) Such a weeny little move, man. I love it. I love it. But here we are with Chiefs at Ravens. Now, I hate Baltimore. I hate the city. I do, too. I hate the politics. I hate everything about Baltimore. The fact that the people there would still ship the Ravens out in a heartbeat and welcome that horseshoe back to their city drives them nuts. Yes, the Ravens have had more success than the Indianapolis Colts when it comes to Super Bowls and playoffs. I get that. But they would sell it all back in a heartbeat to have that horseshoe back in the city. And now with the Chiefs, you get the whole sideshow of Taylor Swift and Patrick Mahomes' wife for another week. So I don't know if there are winners in this matchup, Nige. <laughs> How about Travis Kelsey's brother in the suite? Now, I do like Shirtless. Jason Kelsey. Shirtless. He play, he's, his season's over. I think his career's over. He said he's going to retire from the Eagles, right? Has he officially made it? He hasn't enough? made it official yet, but, but I guess he told his teammates that he's probably going to wrap it up. But he was showing he was showing up Taylor Swift in that box. More people were paying <laughs> attention to his shirtless body at 20-degree temperatures than they were to Taylor to The Taylor best Swift. part about that broadcast, they cut to a shot of like Taylor in the suite. And, of course, Patrick Mahomes' wife was trying to get into it because she well, thinks she's, she's the same level. There. She thinks she's a celebrity. Even Allison's rolling her eyes over here at her. Uh, but in the background, you see a shirtless Jason Kelsey, <laughs> who's not built like Travis. He's a big offensive lineman. You know, yeah. chest yeah, hair, yeah, yeah. and he's pounding beers in the background. <laughs> like, that was the real story in the game. Um, Lions, minus seven at home against Detroit or at home against um, they're on the road in San Francisco what do you think about that that number I'm rooting for Detroit I am too I am for a number of reasons one I don't want San Francisco to be able to celebrate screw Gavin Newsom uh, screw San Francisco <laughs> uh, and number two Lions fans deserve this they have been crap for a long time and let's be honest I think we're all curious as to what would happen if Detroit actually won the whole thing well and there's one other reason, a friend of the show, former Indianapolis Colt, uh, Dylan Gandy, who won a Super Bowl with the Colts offensive lineman, uh, finished his career in Detroit. Yes, so that's who I'm rooting for. They, that's, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, go Detroit for sure. This is the uh, Lions coach, Dan Campbell, who, if you think about what a football <laughs> coach should look like yeah. and act like, it's this guy. This was his speech in the locker room after their win against Tampa. You guys, you guys are unbelievable, man. I'm telling you, we talked about it all all year. This started a long time ago. You're built for this. You're built for this, man. And look what you guys did. You went out there, and the what? It's another high team that we knocked off. (laughs) It's the next high team that you knock off. Do you know how hard it is to win in this? league in the playoffs? Yes, Do you understand what you're doing right now? What we're capable of? That's two. All right? That's two. We got two to go. I'm unbelievably proud of everybody in here, man. Coaches, players. That's a way to mount up, man. That's not a, that's a, that's a difficult team to beat, man. 
I like him. It was Green Bay they beat, right? Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. Yes. Um, So that is the matchups for this weekend. Nige, if you need a reason to drink before then, if you need a reason to drink tonight, how about celebrating the 75th birthday of Steve Perry? Oh, wow. Original front man of Journey. Yeah. So to celebrate Steve Perry's birthday, 75, here are some covers of Don't Stop Believing." okay? We like to play cover songs here. why not? Here's Kelly Clarkson doing Don't Stop Believing." Okay. This was your wedding intro song, if yeah. I remember yeah, correctly. We all came in at the wedding reception with this song. I think Don't Stop Believing is more popular now than it was when it was it released. Uh, this is rapper T Pain doing an R&B version of Don't Stop Believing. Crap, I didn't know his voice. There's a little auto-tune in there, too. Yeah, I was going to say, but isn't he the, you know, let me buy you a drink, show me what you think. Yes. That was T-Pain. Wow. And last but certainly not least, this is the cover of Don't Stop Believing from Panic at the Disco. Uh. Nigel show. The only way to bag a classy lady is to give her two tickets to the gun show. It's Monday Gun Day with the gun guy. Just watch out for the guns. They'll get Stop calling your arms guns. Hammer and Nigel show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest on the hotline. He is a 2A attorney, a firearms instructor, and the host of the Gun Guy Show here at 93 WIBC. He is Guy Relford. Guy, how are you? Man, I'm great, and thanks as always to our sponsor for Monday Gun Day. That's Premier Arms in Brownsburg with the largest selection of new, used, and historic firearms in the Midwest and PA Jewelers located right in the store. Check them out at 3754 South Green Street in Brownsburg or PremierArms.com. So, Guy, House Bill 1084. I know you testified for this, but for people like me who may or may not have had a few beers between now and the last time you talked about it and forgot what this was, was refresh our memory yeah this has to do with the the new credit card codes that um, have been created that would identify purchases made at gun stores Um, it wouldn't identify what you purchased but it would identify the fact that you've used your credit card or your debit card at a a gun store, a licensed firearms dealer, and it wouldn't matter whether you bought a gun safe, uh, you know, or a spotting scope, or four AR-15s, it would just show up as a dollar amount that you spent. And a lot of us absolutely believe that um, that this these codes have been created. They first of all, this was pushed by 
gun control groups, anti-Second Amendment groups, um, and some liberal politicians in Washington uh, to create these codes to begin with. And, and I've really seen it from day one, and, and I've mentioned it to you guys. I've talked about it quite a bit on my show. I think this is just in furtherance of what the Obama administration called Operation Choke Point, which is to attack the gun industry through the financial industry. And um, and we've seen a lot of that with, with banks refusing to, to do business or credit card processors, uh, for instance, have refused to do business with me just because I'm a firearms instructor or, or won't process says credit card payments even for me selling my book on gun safety um, and I think the, the, it's a two-step process I think they want to identify purchases at gun stores and then I think you're going to see debit and credit card uh, companies uh, start de- declining those transactions as a way of attacking wow. the firearms industry and so House Bill 1084 um, offered by uh, uh, Representative Jake Teshka uh, would actually prohibit the use of these codes in Indiana and also prohibit the use of the codes in any way to try to build a registry of firearm owners um, or of firearms themselves that have been sold through gun stores. And it's a good bill, um, and it was in the uh, uh, Banking and Financial Industries or Financial Institutions Committee. Um, So I went in there and testified for it, and and the overwhelming majority of folks were in there to support it. We had folks in the banking industry come in and and oppose it. They didn't vote on it because they wanted to consider a couple of relatively minor amendments, Um, but I think it's got got a real good chance in the House, and and we'll move over to the Senate. Go back to your book, Uh, uh, gun safety for dummies and it getting rejected. How, how exactly were you notified that that you know funds were rejected or their, your credit card or whatever? Like what exactly happened with that? And how were you notified? And how did you rectify it? Well, it was a particular processor, Square. Um, and if you've seen that company, yeah, uh, but they're out there. They're a credit card processor, and uh, I tried to associate um, or create a Square account, and then associate that with my website at tactical-firearms.com, which is the the company I sell that through, and that's also who I do my training through through that company which I own. And Square said, no, uh, Tactical Firearms training. We don't want we don't want to do business with you. <laughs> Unbelievable, because it just goes to show the lunacy of some of these anti-gun people. They just see the word gun, and they freak out without realizing this is a book designed to teach people how to do things the right and safe way. Exactly. And, and I, I may have pointed that out to them, but it didn't make any difference. I just got mad and said, well, hell, if you don't want to do business with me, I, I don't want to do, do business with you either. But there have been banks. I mean, this, it's, it's funny. I had a what I call the gun shop roundtable for my show. This goes back a couple of years. Uh, but I had five different gun owners, uh, or excuse me, gun shop owners that were there in the studio with me. Everybody had their own microphone. And I was just talking about, you know, what's going on in the gun industry. And this was even during COVID. I wanted to see how they were surviving COVID. And whatnot, and, but I thought about this this issue that is this Operation Choke Point, which again was a declared program of the Obama administration and the anti-gun groups to attack the gun industry through insurance companies and through banks and through credit card processors. And I said, how many of you guys who own gun shops um, have had a bank or a credit card company uh, refuse or a credit card processor refuse to do business with you? All five hands shot up. Wow. In fact, several of them said multiple times. A, a good 
friend of mine who's a firearms instructor and a, and a, and a cop. This guy's been a law enforcement officer for over 30 years. He's a firearms instructor. Uh, he and I have co-taught several classes. Um, he, got a, he got a certified checks in the mail from his bank uh, with a letter saying, we're closing your accounts. We no longer want to do business with you. And it was he, he couldn't figure out why. He thought maybe the IRS was after him. He had no idea. Eventually, by pushing this bank, he found out it was because he's a firearms instructor. Ridiculous. That's scary. Keep us up to date on that. But I also want to find out your thoughts on this story from Utah. This is from uh, the paper of record in Salt Lake City today. Utah teachers could be paid 500 bucks to install gun safes inside of their classroom. Now, remind all of us one more time, what's the law in Indiana in regards to teachers being trained and guns in the classroom? Well, a couple different components of that, and and one's been a long, or one prong of this has been the law in Indiana for a long time. The other just changed last year, but in Indiana, a school board. Um, can authorize anybody it wants to to possess a gun on school property, and that includes teachers or staff. Um, it, it, they could authorize uh, parents uh, who may be, uh, you know, former military or instructors or somebody else with a lot of training or anybody else they want. And that's been the law in Indiana for a long time. What, what we were successful in accomplishing last year in the General Assembly, and this was Representative Jim Lucas's bill, is what we call the teacher training bill. And this was the third or fourth year we tried to get this through. We finally did last year. What it does in Indiana is it creates um, a particular curriculum. It's 40 hours of firearm training that's designed specifically around the school environment. So it's got active shooter response training. It's got field first aid, gunshot first aid as that is a component safe uh, firearm storage and retention, uh, which is so important in a school environment. But it's the same number of hours that a sworn police officer goes through in the academy to become a police officer. Um, so it's, it's, it's a lot of training. And what this bill does is it not only provides that curriculum, um, and a lot of work went into developing that, along with the Indiana Law Enforcement Academy out in Plainfield. But it also then provides resources in the form of grants where a school corporation, for instance, could come and say, yeah, we want to put our teachers through this training program that you've created, that the state will pay for that and allow those those trainers or excuse me, those teachers to get that very excellent training um, and, again, make them comparable to police officers in terms of firearm training, but even a little better because it's molded specifically around the school environment and a potential mass shooting um, and or an active shooter in a school. Um, and so it's, it's it's a really neat program. Well, we got that done last year. Guy, do we know, like, did many teachers – take up that did many teachers say you know what i'm glad this law passed i'm going to get this free training because i want to make my classroom safer is there any way we can find out like if teachers took advantage of it well, you know, I, I'm not sure what um, that privacy protocols are building around that. A lot of schools, like it was interesting, that Utah uh, bill that you sent me, Jason, I was reading that article. I, I thought it was very interesting. If, if they um, get this $500 grant in Utah, they actually are required to put up signs that say, you know, our, our teachers and staff may be armed. Any attempt to, to injure our students will be met with an armed response, you know, in the form of 
posted signs, which I thought was was interesting. Um, a lot of the schools that have decided to arm teachers or uh, or allow teachers to be armed or participate in this program really want to do it on the down low. Uh, I've seen in Indiana and don't really want it publicized. So I don't know whether, uh, for instance, we could go uh, to whoever, whoever's administering that program and say, hey, how many school corporations have come to you and or how many teachers have gone through this training. I don't know that that's publicly available. And I think a lot of school corporations would just as soon keep it um, keep it private uh, there in that school corporation. So short answer is no, I, I don't, I'm not aware of a number or a way to find that information out. But it may be available through the state government as a public record. And again, just for point of record, this was all voluntary. No school was oh, yeah. forcing teachers who did not wish to do this to take the class. This was a situation where if you wanted to, you could take the class and the state would pay for it, right? Oh, that's exactly right. It was purely voluntary. And we had to debunk that um, in, in hearings in, in the committees as it went through the legislature last year. You know, we had teachers that came in who were obviously anti-gun, and that's fine. And, and you know, I was happy to see them participate in the legislative process and make their voices heard. But they, would, they came in and would say things like, well, I'm a teacher, and I didn't become a teacher to become an armed security guard, and I don't want to carry a gun while I'm teaching. And we all shrugged and said, great, then don't participate in the program. And, it's it's 100% voluntary. Um, nobody's nobody's going to get their job description changed and say, oh, well, now you have to be both a teacher uh, and armed security for your students. At the same time, I mean, I've had for years, since Sandy Hook, I've had teachers come to me. I offered free training personally to any teachers or, or, or staff or school employees that could show me two things. But, but this is before constitutional carry. I said, you show me an Indiana license to carry and show me a letter from your school corporation that you're authorized to carry on school property, and you can take every class I teach for free. And I, I offered that since Sandy Hook, and I had a whole lot of people come to me and say they wanted to participate in that program, but only very few that, that could show me the letter from the school corporation saying, yeah, they were given that permission. If somebody wants to continue this conversation, maybe they've got another question, or perhaps they want to hire you, how can they find you? Hey, through Twitter is a good way to get a hold of me. Just at Guy Relford on Twitter. Guy Relford, the gun guy. Guy, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. So you're telling me longtime iconic sports brand, Sports Illustrated. I had a subscription to Sports Illustrated a few years ago, probably like 20 years ago. Always looked forward to the swimsuit model edition. Of course. They're done. They're gone. It's it's done, though. They fired pretty much all of their staff. Now they're claiming that they still are going to stay in business with some sort of online presence. But it sounds like right now, that issue of Sports Illustrated, which again, if you're around our age, I'm 46, I was a kid, and even in my 20s, you couldn't wait to check the mailbox and get that latest Sports Illustrated. But they made a change throughout the last couple of years. Yeah, did they put a trans dude on the cover of the swimsuit edition? Their last couple of (laughs) swimsuit cover models 
one was a dude with a crank, <laughs> and the other was a super fat chick. <laughs> so the so old the- expression goes, go woke, go broke. And some of their columnists started writing very politically themed, slanted material. Now, just to be fair, the dude with the crank on the cover of the Sports Illustrated swimsuit model did have a great rack. Well, yeah, but so did Jason Kelsey. <laughs> He's got a great rack, and we saw that on television last <laughs> night. But I don't think we want to see him on the cover of Sports uh, Illustrated Swimsuit great. Edition. So they bud lighted themselves, basically. They bud lighted themselves. They absolutely did. That's a great way to look at it. Now, Charlie Arnold, who does the morning show on Outkick, uh, some would remember her from ESPN, the UFC. Uh, She worked here in Indy at Fox 59 for a little while. She said if they want to get their act together, she will appear on the cover of the swimsuit edition. If they want to rebrand themselves as the White Sports Illustrated was years ago, no more dudes with cranks, no more fatties on the cover. <laughs> She'll give the people what we want and have an actual attractive woman on the cover. Isn't that what the point of this issue was? I mean, is, was there an, an element of Sports Illustrated's demographics, people that consumed their media that, that wanted to see trans people on the cover of the sports uh, of the swimsuit issue? Well, based on the sales, no. <laughs> Zero. Go woke, go broke. Dudes like sports, dudes like hot chicks. And Sports Illustrated used to do that better than anybody. Yeah. But then they decided, you know what? You know what this diehard beer-drinking NFL fan would like? <laughs> A chick with a crank. That's what we need to put on the cover. Go woke, go broke. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer and Nigel. You believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock Oh, yeah. My name is Nigel. Hammer's right over there. Um, We'll bring on Marcus Bailey, Wish TV meteorologist here on the hotline. uh, Got some nasty stuff headed our way, right, Marcus? Yeah, it's uh, not pleasant. You know, snow's not great. The cold's not great. But I take both of those over just a little bit of ice because ice, even a little bit of it, can be real bad. And that, unfortunately, might be what we're dealing with here through the overnight. Yeah. So what's going on here? Because I was promised this week we'd have temperatures (laughs) around 50, and now we've got you on the hotline going full vanilla ice, 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 baby. What the hell, Marcus? (laughs) I know. I know. We're going to get there. That that still hasn't changed. And part of that equation um, is why we're actually going to be kind of dealing with this freezing rain threat because we're going to have some of this warmer air that's going to be coming in. The problem is, is the ground is ice cold, um, obviously, from the week and a half that we just experienced. Uh, we had we went above freezing for the first time since uh, January 12th, been 10 days, guys. So, you know, the ground is, is frozen solid. So we've got this warmer air coming through right now that's just above the surface that's going to keep things as liquid when it starts falling here later tonight. But the ground's frozen, and so when that liquid hits the surface, that creates that glaze of ice that can create some real slick conditions. So we're going to continue to warm up, and eventually, you know, we'll, we'll flip the switch by tomorrow morning, and it turns all rain. But could be a, a little bit of a dicey overnight before we get there. Yeah, and then and then talk about morning drive. I mean, that's going to yeah. have a real effect on what you're talking about. It's not going to start warming up until later on tomorrow, uh, late morning, early afternoon, right? That's the concern. Um, You know, how long of a duration are we going to be kind of hovering around the freezing mark? Because that's where the temperatures will be. Right now, we're at 
37 degrees. You know, we're above freezing, so we're, we're in decent shape there. The, the question is how long will we stay right around that freezing mark? And it could be through the morning drive. It may be a little bit longer as well. So, so yeah, that's going to be the issue here, uh, especially the untreated surfaces. I'm hopeful that they get some they get some work done with the uh, with the highways and and that and the, the more traveled roads that they'll be relatively okay. But a lot of the side streets and neighborhoods, lesser traveled roads, sidewalks could be a glaze ice, and that that could be very difficult to travel on. Marcus Bailey joining us. He's the meteorologist for Wish TV Channel 8. So let's talk timeline here, Marcus. Mm -hmm. What are we talking about? Is anything for afternoon drive today or early this evening going to be affected? If if you're heading northwest, yes. Here in the city, I I wouldn't rule out that we could have maybe a little bit of drizzle. I, I still think our temperatures are just warm enough that it shouldn't be a problem Say if you're heading out for dinner or if you've got, you know, some sporting events through the early evening. It's probably going to be around after 8 or 9 o'clock that we start to see more widespread precipitation. It may initially be rain first, but as we continue to cool late tonight as we get closer to midnight, certainly after midnight and all the way through daybreak, that's going to be kind of the window that we'll have to worry about the potential for the ice accumulation, the freezing drizzle, or the freezing rain. Um, and then ass- at some point in the – go ahead. Nigel. I'm sorry. I'm just – and I'm assuming there's going to be school delays tomorrow. Yeah, well, here's the thing. You know? it's, it's, tough to, it's tough to gauge that. Yeah. This is something – you know, when it, when, it, when it was cold last week, it's a no-brainer, right? You can make that call. You knew yes. it was going to be cold. You can at least go on a delay or cancel. Uh, freezing rain is a tough forecast, and I'll be the yep. first to admit, we get this one wrong more often than any other forecast. It's just, it is hard because um, there has to be a lot of things that have to go a certain way to get that ice accumulation, which is, I mean, look, that's a good thing. There's nothing worse than ice when it comes to winter traveling. So yeah, at 5 o'clock a.m. is kind of that magic time that superintendents have to make that call. Yep. That seems to be when we start to get a lot of the delays. I know you guys get them coming in, too. Um, so I think a lot of the superintendents probably, it's going to be a wait-and-see approach. Probably they're going to get up early and check it out in the morning. But certainly if it plays out how things look um, in spots, and I'm not necessarily saying it's widespread, but in spots, oh, I would definitely say there's probably going to be some delays for sure. So what are we talking about here? Just a small covering that might make it slick? Mm-hmm. Or am I going to walk outside and be like, you know, slipping feet over my head? What are we talking about here? I mean, listen, it only takes a little bit of a glaze to create some big problems. So you don't need a lot. Um, you know, tenth of an inch is kind of what a lot of the projections we're looking at. You get farther northwest, it could be up to around a quarter of an inch. Um, but, but, but the difference with this one, guys, is, is, as opposed to what we, what a lot of times we worry about during ice events, is power outages, right? Weighing down the tree branches yeah. and the power lines. I think because of how this is setting up, and we've got warmer air coming in. You know, what, what we call the two-meter temperature, right, two meters off the surface, is going to be above freezing as this all happens. That would also include power lines and, and tree branches and the like. So this is mainly a concern of pavement icing. Um, and I would say if we do flip that switch hammer to answer your question, um, I mean, you'll have enough that it, it could be a bit of a skating rink if it's an untreated surface for sure. Treated surface, I think hopefully will be okay because obviously it's not going to be – 
frigid cold. We're hovering right around that freezing mark, so a lot of those chemicals can do the job. But if it's an untreated surface, county roads, that kind of thing, driveways, sidewalks that you didn't that you didn't treat, it, it could be a bit of a skating rink in the morning for sure. So one more time, give us the timeline of how this is going to play out. Okay, so we likely will see – I mean, you could see any sprinkles from between now and 9 o'clock. But really, the main event, steady showers after 9 p.m., and I think we'll probably see freezing rain uh, from the window of midnight to around 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning. And that's where we could get – it may not be ice that entire time, but that's the window where we could get some freezing rain, and that's when you need to be aware of some very icy conditions. After that, we'll flip the switch to a chilly rain, and then that long-awaited warm-up you were talking about after that hammer. Where is the best place to keep up to date with all of this action? I'll be posting on social media at Marcus Bailey Weather on Facebook. And then, of course, uh, I'll be on tomorrow morning, bright and early at 4 a.m. on Wish TV Day by Channel 8. Marcus Bailey, Wish TV 8. Marcus, thank you. Thanks, guys. So, Nige, Donald Trump spoke recently and he got Nikki Haley and Nancy Pelosi's names mixed up. You've heard this, right? Allison, do we have that clip of Trump and uh, getting Haley and Pelosi's names a little backward? By the way, they never report the crowd on January 6th. You know, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, you know, they did you know they destroyed all of the information, all of the evidence, everything, deleted and destroyed all of it, all of it. Because of lots of things, like Nikki Haley is in charge of security. We offered her 10,000 people, soldiers, National Guard, whatever they want. I meant to say Pelosi, because Pelosi was in charge of the Capitol Police at the time. In regard to the Capitol, right. National Guards, yeah. Well, the new talking point is that because Donald Trump slipped up there, and there are some other times where, you know, he's made a few mistakes— He's the same as Joe Biden. Joe Biden, the same guy that shakes hands with the air and can't walk upstairs, is the same as Donald Trump because he's made a few mistakes. Governor Chris Sununu, he is the uh, New Hampshire governor where the big primary is tomorrow. He went on Meet the Press with Kristen Welker, and they were both making it sound like Donald Trump was just a few days away from needing a bib. <laughs> Setting aside the fact that everything he said there was factually incorrect, including the fact that Nancy <laughs> that Pelosi is not in charge of security at the Capitol, and she wasn't on January 6th. But Nikki Haley has said this is yet another moment that raises more questions about whether Trump is mentally fit to serve. Do you think Donald Trump is mentally look, fit look, to serve whether as it's president? Joe Biden or Donald Trump, either the one get off the the tele- either one get off the teleprompter. They can't. They can barely make a cogent point. I mean, really. So is Trump mentally this, fit? You're uh, saying he's not? Not in that moment. He sure as heck wasn't. I mean, look. The point is, you have two eighty-year-olds fighting this thing out. That's not what America wants. That is a great example of this is not the Donald Trump, the disruptor of 2016. This guy has lost his fastball. Um, you know, that's a great example of it. Because he got Nikki Haley and Nancy Pelosi mixed up. That's what you're going to start seeing this over and over and over again, man. Oh, you're seeing it now. Get ready for it. That was just one example here. Here is CBS News Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan. Uh, Nikki Haley jumped on with her. If you look recently, there have been multiple things. I mean, he claimed that Joe Biden was going to get us into World War II. I'm assuming he meant World War III. He said that he ran against President Obama. He never ran against President Obama. He says that I'm the one that kept security from from the Capitol on January 6th. I was nowhere near the Capitol on January 6th. But, Margaret, you don't be surprised if you have someone that's 80 in office. 
their mental stability is going to continue to decline. That's just human nature. We know that. What I'm saying is, first of all, you're talking about somebody who's only going to be in office four years. Secondly, you're talking about someone who continues to, I mean, look, I don't know if he was confused. I don't know what happened, but it should be enough to send us a warning sign that if you look Joe Biden, he's very different than he was two years ago. Are we really going to go into a situation where we have wars around the world and we're trying to prevent war and we're going to have someone who we can't can't be sure that they're going to get confused? It's a real issue. That's not being disrespectful. It's just a fact. First of all, you like war, Nikki. You're a war hawk. And expect more and more of this. I mean, just because Donald Trump is speaking off the top of his head, extemporaneously, got the names mixed up. That happens all the time. It happens on this show. I, I do it all. I'm guilty of that kind of crap all of the time. It's not it, like it, you're it, calling on someone who's no longer alive at a press event. Oh, yeah. Like, like Joe Biden yeah, has done. Please. It's not like you're shaking hands with the air and being confused about where to walk off or not being able to walk upstairs on your own. Falling off your bike. Right. There's a big difference in all of that. Now, listen, Donald Trump is old. I mean, let's not get it twisted. I wish we had younger, you know, more vibrant candidates, but this is who it is right now. Now, I still have my doubts whether Biden is going to make it to the finish line or not. I think they're going to replace him somewhere along the line. But as of right now, you're going to look me in the eye and tell me Joe Biden, Donald Trump, they're the same cognitively. Not at all. Not even close. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you. Emma and Nigel presents is... It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Hammer, how do you play? Is this anything? I'm going to run some stories by you. You simply tell us. Is this story really anything or not? Is it something worthy of a conversation, or is it a big nothing burger? Is this anything? Thieves cut down the tower of an Oklahoma radio station so they could steal the copper off of the broadcast tower. (laughs) They didn't climb it. They just cut it down. It cost around half a million bucks in damage, and the thieves walked away with 100 bucks worth of (laughs) copper. Oh, man. Here is Will Payne of Payne Media Group talking about how the tower was taken down. They either used wire cutters or something really similar to that, and they just cut the guide wires on the top section and that uh, set of guy wires, uh, after that, that's when it uh, folded and came to the ground. We need to be able to reach uh, the citizens of Northeast Texas and Southeast Oklahoma with life-saving information. And you've taken our voice off the air needlessly for what, $100 worth of copper? Shame on you. Well, first of all, it's worth more than $100 because it caused a half a million dollars in damage. So the copper technically is worth a half a million dollars, probably. But yeah, these dummies that I mean, how long how long does it take to cut down a radio tower? I've never tried. I, mean, I, I don't like, know. Like I mean, these guys could have getting had legitimate jobs and made more in a day than a hundred dollars. Then you know people would rather be a, you know they'd rather be criminals. They'd rather steal. They'd rather go the easy route. Although I can't imagine. 
cutting down a radio tower is very easy. Can you? No. Now, I'm familiar with these larger towers. This sounds like it was more of a smaller tower, but still, you're right. The amount of time and energy and effort that these clowns <laughs> used here to get copper. You could probably put half half the effort. Find a job with half the effort putting in and, and make more money than that. Right. Hundred percent. So that sucks for that radio Welcome station to America. in Oklahoma. Is this anything? A lady ordered a box of cookies through DoorDash, and when the driver showed up, she noticed one, the box was open, and number two, the driver had chocolate all over his face. <laughs> Here she is confronting him. My box of cookies wired is open. It's open. The box is open. Why is it open? You was eating it. You got chocolate on your mouth. No. You got chocolate right there on your mouth. You was eating my cookies? Yeah. You was eating them. It's open. Open. I'm reporting you to DoorDash. <laughs> Can he play it again? I just like the part where he goes, no. No. I don't my know. box of cookies. Why are they open? It's open. The box is open. Why is it open? You was eating it. You got chocolate on your mouth. No. You got <laughs> good I mean, answer. Probably spread all over his mouth. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Nothing to see here. Big chocolate chip on his tooth. You know, look, that's the thing. <laughs> These, uh, you know, I've never had a, a negative experience with the DoorDash driver. We use it all the time in our family. Um, I know you're not as big as the uh, uh, food delivery system. Uh, you know. You do you do do DoorDash actually. You just my wife the has the accounts and my son oh, does too. Okay, John Kerry. I'm John Kerry yeah. now. My wife has the account. I've never actually done it myself, uh, but my son has had an issue once. Um, I guess what happens sometimes, and if you're a DoorDash driver or a restaurant owner, please let us know here at the show if this is accurate. Sometimes these drivers will just pick up your order and eat it, and then they cancel it. So the restaurant either has to make good on your wow. food if you complain about it, and you know you could complain to DoorDash. You get your Cre- you get credit credit yeah. back in your account. But if you get some dude who just walks in there, picks up your bag, eats it, and cancels your order, <laughs> you're screwed. Because that happened to my son once. Uh, but I've I re- it just goes to show you really never know how. You can't underestimate how stupid people could be. I mean, who honestly would deliver a box of cookies, open it and eat it, and then deliver it, hand deliver it to the person who paid for it? Smeared all over his face. (laughs) No, you you have chocolate in your face. No. One more time, please. please. Allison, can I hear the guy saying, no? (laughs) You got chocolate on your mouth. No. (laughs) (laughs) So good. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. The Hammer and Nigel Show. Hello, my name is Nigel. That's Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest on the phone. Ron DeSantis has checked out. He has suspended his campaign. So where did it go wrong? April Gregory is a political director at Coverdale Consulting. She's managed and won many campaigns around the state. So April, as somebody who manages campaigns, how did Ron DeSantis go from this you know, popular governor at a massive state with all of this attention to a guy that was trailing Nikki Haley in multiple polls? How did it go from one extreme to the other? Hi. So, you know, I think one thing to remember is 
you know, and DeSantis, he, he is a rock star. A lot of us believe and saw what he's done in Florida, especially over the past few years with COVID, and we just really appre- appreciate his policies. But I think one thing to keep in mind with a lot of politicians, a lot of them are just nerds and are boring people, and you can't make that personality. You can't fake having that great personality, and a lot of times it's it's the uh, attention-grabbing popular person who ends up coming out through these primaries and um, some people just don't have you know we love them for their 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 policies and when we see them work in a gov- you know as a governor but uh, it just doesn't play as well in retail politics a lot of times but he was a guy that was a college baseball player, you know, had been a pretty good athlete his whole life. I think he played in the Little League World Series, played college baseball, served his country. So I don't think it was like he was just some nerd, you know, in the Lambda, Lambda, Lambda fraternity. Uh, You know, we'd seen the videos of him drinking beers at, you know, Buccaneers games and things like that. He seems like a decent enough guy, but you're right. There was something off about his campaign. It seemed like they almost made him too tense aim, if that makes sense. Yeah, I can see that. And the other thing to keep in mind is it takes tens of millions of dollars, just so much money to be effective in a nationwide situation like this. And you have to have people on the ground working for you in Iowa and New Hampshire and South Carolina. And this is such an all-encompassing thing to make sure you're getting on the ballots in all these primary states, you know, to getting signatures. It takes money and it takes time. You know, there's 99 counties in Iowa and he needed to be in all of them all the time and really just working the rooms and having events. And, you know, I don't know if he just was busy in Florida or he just didn't put in enough time in these places. But I mean, and certainly the media, I mean, we saw the media in 2015 and 2016 just elevate Trump because he was this celebrity and he got so much media attention that it, it really created him and gave his campaign relevance when so many people didn't think it was credible. Um, And so that's still happening again, right? You know, some people think, you know, the, the left or the media wants to have him be the nominee, Trump. And so that's why they're giving him attention this time. Um, you know, I, I think part of it, April, was the more simple explanation that I had than you, you could probably expand on him a little bit. It, it just wasn't DeSantis's time. I feel like I feel like if he would have waited and and gotten through this you know this election this vicious election um and especially I thought that even more so over after Joe Biden and the DOJ uh, are trying you know they're actively trying to silence their political opponents um but once he got convicted or not convicted I'm sorry but charged with felonies I thought that right there you know Americans are going to see this Republicans are going to see this and vote uh, emotionally, vote with their hearts, and I just I don't think this was DeSantis's time. Does that make sense? I think that makes sense, and I think so. For Ron DeSantis, you know, let's step back. the The goal here for DeSantis, and I, I'm assuming this is his goal, is to be president. Okay, so let's step back, read the writing on the wall. 
um, assess the situation and say, I haven't hurt myself too bad here. This is looking like it may not play out. I maybe can't raise enough money after coming in so far behind Trump in Iowa. So let's get out before I'm damaged and keep working in Florida and work towards that 2028 nomination, um, you know, with a little bit more record in Florida and um, Trump is gone by then. Um, But I think really just taking the time to get out now before he gets beat up up by Trump some more uh, really protects him from being damaged, you know, and I, and I think, and I would go as far as to say, I don't think DeSantis should even be, want to be considered for a VP or a cabinet pick for Trump. I think that would damage him in the long run, just like we saw that work with how that works with the former vice president. I think think he'd be good as attorney general. I don't know that you can even be vice president being that they're both from the same state. Right. April Gregory is our guest here. She is a uh, political director at Coverdale Consulting. So, April, let's jump in the old hot tub time machine here, and let's go back to when Ron DeSantis announced his candidacy. I don't like the way that he did it. I thought the Twitter spaces thing was a train wreck. I thought he got in too late. But you're the expert here. Let's say that Ron DeSantis hires April Gregory at Coverdale to run his campaigns. What would you have done differently? Oh, gosh. I'm not sure he'd be hiring me to do that. Um, no, you know, I, the, the Twitter spaces thing really kind of backfired. Um, I appreciate that he was trying to reach that uh, low-hanging fruit, um, people that can jumpstart his conversation and, and make him relevant in on the Twitter space. And, you know, some of us are on Twitter more than others, and we, we see the DeSantis and the Trump supporters going back and forth. But a lot of these people, and you know, Twitter is adjacent to the media. Um, you know, anything that happens, it's on Twitter first before it's on your news. Uh, so just kind of him wanting to create that conversation and on Twitter, I appreciate that. But um, I, I think there probably was a better way to do this than announcing on Twitter. Did he get in too late? Um, no, I, I don't think he did. I mean, he, he wasn't a largely unknown person like Vivek Ramaswamy or whoever. So I'm not sure it was that it was too late. I just think I, this is not his time and he needs to... I, I don't think he's hurt and I don't think he was getting in or whenever he got in. I mean, the goal here is to kind of play with house money, see what you can do to maintain your relevance, and build for the future. Isn't it funny, April? Like the uh, Trump was vicious to Ron DeSantis, called him disloyal, called him sanctimonious, and now Ron drops out of the race and actually gives him an endorsement, gives Trump an endorsement. Does that surprise you? Is that just part and parcel of what happens in politics? No, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I think that was the best move for him to go ahead and endorse Trump. Uh, We see that, you know, at least 50 percent of the Republican Party is still there on Trump's side. And you don't want to alienate that base. And you also don't want to elevate Nikki Haley and, and put her in a position where 
that that end of the party could kind of become more relevant because that's Nikki and, and Ron DeSantis are on different. They're, they're different. They're not the same type of candidate, not the same type of politician. And so you either want the conservative or you want the more um, establishment person. And I think the best play for him was to go ahead and endorse Trump and um that Trump is, you know, DeSantis and Trump are closer than DeSantis and Haley. Yeah. So I think that was the right move. April Gregory, political director at Coverdell Consulting. April, thank you for taking the time today to chat with us about where Ron DeSantis went wrong and all things in between. We appreciate your time. Thank you, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. <laughs> Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Oh, man, Hammer, you got to tell me more about this MSNBC talk show hosts. That crazy race lady, Joy Reid, versus Moms for Liberty co-founder, Tiffany Justice. Moms for Liberty, of course, was uh, this American conservative organization, I believe, developed in Florida uh, in 2020, 2021, to originally get kids back in schools because of COVID-19 and the ridiculous policies. But they've kind of morphed. They've kind of grown into parents' rights and getting you know, pornographic books out of elementary schools and things like and that. And that's what this was about, the old banned books discussion. Which is laughable because no books have been banned. Some books have been moved away from children yes. because they're yeah. extremely pornographic. But you could still find said books in the local library. Like that fat, sloppy dork that yelled at me when I went to go vote was all about banned books. <laughs> Republicans want to ban books. I remember that. Um, so the book in question here is All Boys Aren't Blue. Now, we're going to play some of the audio here of this back and forth between Joy Reid and the moms for Liberty co-founder. Oh, yeah. If you got kids, you might want to turn this down. Yeah, this is some pretty graphic stuff here. Take a listen. That you have and other Moms for Liberty advocates have to decide that a book, an award-winning book like All Boys Aren't Blue isn't appropriate for students to read. What, what is a, your expertise? What a tragic story of a young man who's anally raped by his adult family oh. member. So you have incest, rape, pedophilia. Joy, you said you'd let me answer, so sure. I'm going to answer Please for do. you. Please um, do. In what context is a strap-on dildo acceptable oh. for public school? Just, let, I mean, that's my question mm-hmm. to you. Tell me what the context around the strap on dildo or the rape of a minor child by a teacher. Hold on a second. No, no, you, no, no, no wait, We're talking on. about no, no, public no. school. One, one moment. All right. So now you've asked me questions. Sure. Well, and I'm going to answer it. Okay. Well, who is the main character? What's the name of the main character in All Boys Are Blue? You're asking me right now. You just gave me very specific information about this book. So you're presenting yourself as some expert. That has nothing to do with the content of the book. Right. Do I need to be an expert to know that the strap on thing is not appropriate for my third grader what was the fifth word on page 87 (laughs) i don't know so you're not an expert i mean this is insane this is a book that was in front of children in schools and listen to the things that were inside of that book and no nobody has banned it you can still find it in a city library somewhere. Yeah. So if you're that fat, sloppy dork named Mike that accosted <laughs> me at the voting center, learn what you're talking about. And again, if you're uh, a parent right now with kids in the car, you might want to turn this down. Here's more. 
Who's the main character in the, the book? The main character is the author. Who's the, what's his name? George, I believe, is his first Because name. you're giving me very specific information that is... You're asking me to remember the name of an author. You the just remembered very specific joy. Here's my We're question. We're talking about what exactly. is my no, no, no. I'm going to I'm going to answer Great. your question. I would love to hear that. Absolutely. Well, I, I'm interviewing you and you're not interviewing me, so let's just make sure it's a conversation, okay? okay great. So what I'm saying to you is that as you are not an expert in this book... <laughs> I don't have to be an expert no, 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 hold on a second. for public moment. Thank you. <laughs> is a full context story, as you said, of the author's experience. Why is it your right or a Moms for Liberty activist's right to say that a parent who wants their child to have access to this book, which gives a personal experience of this author, that they, that why doesn't a liberal parent, for instance, or a parent of an LGBTQ kid, why don't they have a right for their child to just have access to this book? Why is it your right to say they can't? I don't care if it's an LGBTQ kid, if it's a straight kid. Maybe I'm old-fashioned. Maybe I'm showing my age. I don't think strap-on dildos is appropriate for children. Here's the irony here. I was For some reason, I was looking at Joy Reid's Twitter account. They posted this clip where they used that phrase, strap-on, blue, blue, blue. But instead of writing out the word strap-on, blue, 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 they, X, they used XXXXX, censoring themselves. Doesn't that just lend credence to the Moms for Liberty ladies argument that, yeah, uh, society, schools, businesses have to make coordinated decisions that some contents and words and pictures and stories aren't appropriate for any and every situation. Here's how this ends up. Maybe we could just put all the books with all the graphic sexual content. The dildos, You're not the just, rape, the I'm sorry. Let's do I'm a, so sorry. Let's do excuse a back me, room. Excuse me. Let's excuse put a curtain up me. in the library First of like all, they used hold to on. do. One moment. One stores. moment. Remember when we were little moms and you would go to the video store? The books that moms for liberty. And they put those books that moms for liberty. with pornography behind I know that you, I've seen. We could just do that in the public library. I have seen tapes of what moms for liberty does. And you all go into school board meetings and you read graphic stuff. It's a conversation. No, it's not. There is America used to understand that there's something called age-appropriate content. Oh, right. She does not like being talked to and schooled by a white lady. Not at oh, all. Oh, boy. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock If there was anything I could do to produce a favorable outcome, I would do it. But I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources. We don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. The governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, has dropped out of the presidential race. Hammer, I think he declared too late. I think his campaign was sort of benign. I, I think not coming to Trump's defense when Trump was being attacked by Biden and the DOJ. Uh, really, I, I remember the civil lawsuit with the and he, him making a joke about it. Oh, hush money payments, porn stars. I don't know anything about that. Um, I, I think I think these were all reasons. I, mainly, it just wasn't his time. Right. It's Nobody time. was going to beat Donald Trump exactly. the moment that first indictment came down. Exactly. But the question I have, and this is why you know we've had on political consultants and we're having this conversation, why wasn't he blowing the doors off of Nikki Haley? Why wasn't this like Donald Trump won, yeah. DeSantis two, and then a big cliff where everybody else lives? You know, Haley... Chris Christie, Ramaswamy, DeSantis never got to that solid, legitimate number two well, level. Well, he did get uh, second in the Iowa caucuses when Nikki Haley, who famous, famously said, uh, and now this is a two-person race, when she came in third. Right. And but, now, now, winds up she's being right. 
but she didn't know that at the time. But it wasn't like a huge difference between DeSantis no, and I know, Haley. I know. I, I, it, it's there should have been based on his momentum. That's a, what I'm like saying. Like a thirty percentage point difference between Trump and DeSantis. Right. And I'm wondering the also. I mean, the other question is why did he take so long to tell everybody? He should have probably just done it when Vivek did it. Right. Yeah. I wonder if he was trying to hold out for some more polling, but it just wasn't going to happen. And there's a poll already out. 500 New Hampshire Republican voters were surveyed by Suffolk University and NBC. This was after the news that DeSantis had suspended his campaign. And now it shows 57% for Donald Trump, 38% for Nikki Haley. You could see 60%, I bet, tomorrow. I bet that number appears 60%. Nikki Haley's got to drop out. And, Nige, the biggest headline out of all of this, and I know this is something that you're really going to be upset about, Donald Trump has retired the nickname Ron DeSanctimonious. Well, I'd be using the name Ron DeSanctimonious. I said, that name is officially retired. It's just, I mean, politics, it's, it's a bloodbath, man. It is, it is crazy. I mean, at one point, you are vicious to each other. You say awful things. You make up nicknames. And now you have DeSantis endorsing Trump. Yes. And a couple of times, wives have been involved. Yeah. Donald Trump yes. ripped Ted Cruz's wife. Uh, Donald Trump supporters went after Casey DeSantis, basically saying she was faking cancer treatments. It's nuts. And now Ron DeSantis has endorsed Donald Trump. Um, it's crazy everywhere. And I think that was highlighted on Bill Maher's show this past weekend, his real-time show on HBO. Yeah. You had British author and political commentator um, Andrew Sullivan. He's a conservative guy, like a commentator. He was on this panel with MSNBC's Ari Melber. And Melber's talking about Donald Trump and how he's going to be a dictator and all this other stuff. And listen to Sullivan clap back. He is the one banking on a cynicism, an attack on democracy, and a complete rejection of the policy democracy that you want because they didn't even have a platform. So he's saying it's just me. You don't even know what I'm. You don't even know what I'm going to do. Just vote for me. No platform, and you've got a whole Republican Party that's basically codifying that. You so, know what'd be good at NBC, MSNBC is if you actually did think about both sides and weighed the arguments and make constructive arguments against that side while respecting them. You don't do that. It's propaganda. What you just said described. What you just said just described my show. So I had a Trump lawyer on this week. I've had Steve Bannon on my show. I've had uh, I watch Trump MSNBC. White House officials. I watch MSNBC. Right, so, so I, and the you describing the goal that I'm achieving. I take that as a compliment. Well, in your mind, a little feud there, <laughs> a little uncomfortable moment back yeah, and when forth. When the word propaganda gets dropped, it's always uh, a little contentious. Uh, keeping our eye on some other news stories. Again, we spoke with Marcus Bailey, meteorologist for Wish TV. Later on tonight, looks like around 9 o'clock, that's when you're going to start seeing some precip fall down at a more heavy rate than it has been. And icing of the roads is a big threat here. We're talking about an overnight event that could take you into the morning hours. 
Please keep it locked here at 93 WIBC. We'll have traffic updates, weather updates all throughout the evening and the morning. And also the Supreme Court. They just came down with a verdict, five to four, that said Texas is not allowed to defend themselves, basically, against a border invasion. Because Governor Abbott, he had put up some barbed wire, he'd put up some barriers, just trying to help his state out. Across the Rio Grande, and Biden ordered them to be taken down. By a vote of five to four. Wow. Wow. The Supreme Court says that the Biden administration can cut down the wire, take down all the border, Ridiculous. and just let the full-scale invasion happen. Ridiculous. And it was Amy Com- Coney Barrett. That's surprising. And it was Roberts, that weasel Roberts, that sided with the Democrats. But let's get back to Ron DeSantis here. It's customary on the Hammer and Nigel show. When someone goes away, a high-profile celebrity or politician packs it up we have an emotional sarah mclaughlin style tribute i am today suspending my campaign this is a map of san francisco well this is an app where they plot the human feces (laughs) ron de sanctimonious says his poll numbers have been absolutely crashing ron DeSantis loves sticking his fingers where they don't belong just talking about pudding. Uh, if you look at that, if you look at what's going on with the Brandon administration in terms of what they're doing. So farewell to Ron DeSantis and his presidential campaign. <laughs> I forgot about the, the rumors that he was eating uh, cups of pudding with two fingers <laughs> on, his air, uh, on his private jet. I forgot about that. And that warranted an attack ad. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> I'll see if I can find that and share that on our Twitter. Are you okay? Everything's gonna be okay. Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty f***ing far from okay. Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel Okay. I have a feeling I know how you're gonna feel about this one. Singer Ellie King is being accused of disrespecting Dolly Parton. At Friday night's celebration of Dolly's 78th birthday hammer at the Grand Ole Opry. And she's accused of performing drunk, using profanity here as part of her rant after she got done with her song. You ain't getting your money back. I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing is true. Somebody else is on stage with her, kind of trying to calm her down. Right. In one way or two. Elle, let's give him one of yours. How about that? I don't know. Go ahead. Why don't you give me this? So you have this drunk idiot, L. King, during the Grand Ole Opry, who, by the way, had to apologize to its fans, ruining Dolly Parton's 78th birthday. Are you okay with this? No, not at all. Because I'm willing to bet L. King 
probably knew about this in advance. It wasn't like they just saw her and said, hey, come on stage and say something yeah. about Dolly. If you know you're going to be paying tribute to a legend, is it asking too much? Is it asking too much just to be sober for just a little bit? I mean, you should. There's a lot more of that clip and her, the the some of the songs she was singing. She forgot the words and was slurring. Right. It was pathetic. That's awful. Now, for those who don't know who she is, that's Rob Schneider's daughter, L. King. She had a crossover hit called X's and O's that played on the radio, but she mainly does a lot of stuff in Nashville. The comedian Rob Schneider, right? Right. Yeah, he's right. a notorious conservative out right. in Hollywood, who I love. But, but yeah. Yeah, That's this brutal. is a bad look. I'm not okay with this, but if anything, it gives us a chance for great moments in drunk history. <laughs> Man. Nigel, I know this is one of your favorites. Yeah, what's it? On an HBO interview, here is an overserved Ben Affleck yeah. talking about Tom Brady and Deflate Gate. Deflate Gate is the ultimate <laughs> bull outrage of sports ever. It's so fucking stupid that I can't believe you realize they gave him a suspension for a quarter of the regular season. I, I would never give the organization as leak prone as the NFL prone. my fucking cell phone so you could just look through my emails and listen to my voice. Especially the NFL, the, the, the league that leaks everything. That's right. Maybe it's maybe Tom Brady's so fucking classy. <laughs> yeah. Such a gentleman that he doesn't want people to know yeah. that he may have reflected on his real opinion of some of his uh, co-workers. Now, he claims he wasn't inebriated during that appearance, but I know what a drunk sounds like. If there's a Please. show in this city that understands what drunk speech sounds like, it's the Hammer and Nigel <laughs> show. He realizes he's easy. Alright, so that was one of your favorites. This is one of my favorites. Okay. This was during a San Diego Padres baseball game a number of years ago. And the play by play guy is Matt Vaskersian. Baseball legend, former Cubs Cy Young winner, Rick Sutcliffe. You know, he lived in the area and he came up to the broadcast booth and he had been out golfing all day with Bill Murray. <laughs> the Red Baron. Is he on? There he is. <laughs> son, it's good to have you back, son. Oh my goodness, man. How good is this? What's up, Redhead? You t- taking some time away from your busy ESPN world to hang out down here with us it's, little dogs? It's not that busy, man. It's not that busy. <laughs> you guys have me cracking up all the time. So we miss you around here, man. I'm here all the time. <laughs> Great play by Bill Hall in the shortstop. Well, he's all over the field all of a sudden, and there are two gone now with bar to board on the fielder's choice. George Clooney. You've been reading about all that? You've been seeing that? George Clooney. <laughs> <laughs> George Clooney, you read about that? And poor Matt Vaskersian, the play-by-play guy. George Clooney. Uh, great moments in drunk history. We should rename this to great moments in public drunk history. Or drunk history when you're at work. Uh, how about Joe Namath? Oh, my goodness, yes. I believe uh, everything that anyone else has watched uh, Chad play... Impresses me the same thing impresses them. What does it mean to you now when the team is struggling? I want to kiss you. Oh. I couldn't care less about the team struggling. We're looking to next season. Struggling. We're looking to <laughs> make a, a noise now, and I want to kiss you. Thanks, Joe. Yeah. Huge compliment. <laughs> 
Joe taking a shot at Susie Colbert on national TV. Oh, wow. Do we want to move on, or we got one more here? I think we need one more. Okay. This is when we had uh, Ari as our producer a number of years ago. Okay. And it was on St. Patrick's Day. And we had sent Ari out to the bar for a segment we call Political Talk with Hot Drunk Chicks. How long have you uh, been here at Drink Out Drinking? Um, uh, about an hour. That's it? How are you feeling? Feeling good. This wasn't my first choice. They actually tried to go to Ale Emporium uh, first. Good choice. Good spot. I know that's where I live, but it was completely packed when we came here. Yeah, and so do you anticipate that the Senate Judiciary Committee will be unnecessarily tough on Judge Neil Gorsuch? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so first of all, what's your name? Sydney. Sydney, how long have you been out uh, this morning or this day? Um, we came out at like 11 a.m. And how, when do you plan on going home? Uh, never. Perfect. <laughs> what, are you, uh, what are you drinking? <laughs> vodka waters. How many vodka waters have you had? Uh, I can't tell you that. No, that's not good. Uh, do you anticipate John Kerry running for political office again? <laughs> John Kerry. Great moments <laughs> in drunken history. It's actually a good question. Who's John Kerry? <laughs> Are you okay with this? A woman in Australia complained on social media about how people who work for places like Instacart suck at picking out fruits and vegetables. But it's not where we're going with this. Listen, it's gone viral because of how she pronounces the word broccoli. Listen to how she pronounces this in her video, and here it is. Today, I bought some broccoli, and you pay for broccoli per head, not per kilo. And broccoli. I broccoli. this tiny little thing, and I usually get a massive, big head of broccoli when I buy it myself. <laughs> Are you okay with this? Australian's woman of the pronunciation of broccoli? No, because I have no idea what she's upset about, because that's all that I'm focusing on. Like, didn't Dana Carvey do a whole song about Chopping this? Chopping broccoli. Chopping broccoli. Chopping broccoli. I loved it when I was a kid. So, that, so no, it's, it went viral because of her pronunciation of broccoli, right. basically. Broccoli. I don't, even use, I don't even use the second O when I say broccoli. It's just broccoli. Broccoli. Uh, but broccoli. A two-syllable word. Yeah. Broccoli. Yeah. B-R-O-C-K-L-E-E. <laughs> broccoli. I'm good with that. Okay. Ooh, boy, this is scary. Uh, video footage of the plane's engine shooting out fire Ooh. as it made an emergency landing at Miami International Airport in Florida is making the rounds. Here's audio from a woman who recorded from the ground after she began seeing flames trailing from the plane, followed by an aviation expert theorizing on what may have been going on with the plane. Oh, my God. It's on fire. Oh, my God. Well, it appears to me that something is occurring inside of that engine. Perhaps uh, a fan blade or turbine blade (laughs) liberated, broke, and came out, which would indicate an uncontained engine failure. Are you okay with this? No, I'm not, man. It feels like we've been hearing about these type of stories an awful lot lately. Yeah, the Alaska Airlines flight with the door that flew open. And we're getting into that time of year where I'm going to be flying a lot. You know, We're going to be going to Florida like for Easter this year. I got another trip to Vegas maybe later in the year and have fun. Man, I'm a nervous <laughs> flyer anyway. Like I white knuckle it when we hit turbulence. How would you feel if you looked out the window and saw the <laughs> wing was ablaze? Flames spouting out of the engine. Yeah, that'd be I'd be a little nerved.
Like, I don't start panicking until I see the flight attendants, like, freaking oh, yeah. out. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm sure they've probably been trained to act normal, but no, if I just see them walking eyes. up and down, passing out beers and stuff, I feel good. But if they're sitting down strapping the seatbelt on, it's white knuckle time, that's for sure. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Hammer and Nigel Show. Hello, my name is Nigel. That is Jason Hammer right over there with a very special guest on the hotline. She is one half of the Chicks on the Right, WIBC alumni, and a damn beautiful woman. It is Mock <laughs> Macarena. How are you, dear? Hello. I'm good. I'm very, very busy this morning watching Jason Kelsey videos. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> let's talk about this. I know we've got like important stuff to get into, but my wife, I think, is in the same camp. Maybe it's because of like media fatigue or whatever. She likes Jason Kelsey better than Travis Kelsey. I think most I think most people do, right? Because he's sort of like the everyman and he's not like, you know, fancy dude dating Taylor Swift. I mean, he's like a regular dude. Jason Kelsey was stealing all all of uh, Taylor Swift's thunder last night <laughs> in the uh, in the suite during that football game taking her shirt off in like 20 degree weather. Taking his shirt off. Let's be well, clear. Oh yeah. Yes. He wasn't on. taking Taylor's shirt off because <laughs> right. that could cause a little family feud. <laughs> It was so great. I mean, it was just, you know, and it's interesting because there's some naysayers on on Twitter and, you know, probably other socials who are like, that's just not appropriate behavior for a football game because they want to be offended by literally everything. And it's just, I think it, it's, such, it's so great to see that level of excitement and celebration and just regular plain old fun. I think that's what people miss and they're hungry for it. And I think he's giving that to them and I love it. I love and it. He's supporting his brother because his brother yeah. obviously is Travis playing on the Chiefs. Jason, kind of a bigger offensive lineman playing for the Eagles, uh, still up in the air whether or not he's going to retire. And people are complaining about him supporting his brother. Meanwhile, out in the parking lot in Buffalo, people are getting put through tables. <laughs> they get up on a ladder, physically jump through those tailgate tables. It's hilarious. I don't get how anybody can find any kind of negativity in that display. It was hilarious and awesome, and I thought it was great. All right, so let's dive into Ron DeSantis. You've made it perfectly clear. You've said so on this interview segment that you were a DeSantis supporter. You were in his camp yes. from the very beginning. He's now gone. What went wrong? Well, um, I, I don't want to offend anybody by saying this, but what went wrong is I just think the country is idiotic. <laughs> I just think that we've squandered away um, probably the most promising leader that we could have had for the country. And, he, uh, you know, he's obviously, like he says, and, and it's perfectly provable, he has delivered on 100 percent of his promises. He's the most effective governor in the country, and it isn't even close. He won Florida, which was a swing state, uh, and he turned it bright fire engine red. And he's got that same sort of spunk and like and and um, strength 
and focus that Trump does, only without all of the stuff, without all of the nastiness and the baggage and the chaos and all of it. And so, you know, I've known it's been very, very clear as we've watched our audience comments during our our you know live stream every morning. People just Trump has a stranglehold on this nation and people are, for better or worse, completely loyal to him. And and that was borne out in the Iowa result in the Iowa election. And now, you know, DeSantis saw the writing on the wall. I think we all kind of did. So I have a lot of people checking in on me to make sure that I was okay. <laughs> but I you know, I it wasn't a surprise. It was just a matter of when it was gonna happen. And and I told Daisy this morning, I was like, you know what, it's almost a relief in a way because now I can focus on completely trying to get back in like on the Trump train trying to get excited about him where before when DeSantis was still in I was really still pulled in his direction and not totally able to focus on the you know who's ultimately going to be the nominee here's where it went sideways for DeSantis the moment Donald Trump got indicted. <laughs> that was the moment yeah. where Biden and the Department of Justice and Americans are emotional beings, and they see that. And Tony Katz was talking about this this morning. I think that that was the moment. And then Ron DeSantis didn't exactly rush to uh, defend Trump as soon as he was attacked by the Department of Justice. I, I, I just I kind of thought that was a misstep as well. It may have been, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that agree with you, and a lot of people have varying opinions about what went wrong in his campaign. I mean, I don't, I, to me, it doesn't make any sense when I hear some of the claims from people saying, you know, that he just lacked charisma or that he doesn't have any kind of personality. I don't think that at all. I think he's he's been super tough on the media, just the way that Trump was early on. That You know, that was something that people really, really loved about Trump the first go-around. And I think DeSantis has shown that same sort of fire, that same sort of energy. So, uh, you know, there's probably a lot of postmortem, a lot to pick apart about how he ran the campaign, starting with the fact that he announced it in a Twitter space. You know, people still complain yeah, right. that, that that was a terrible way to kick it off. So, who you know, who knows what ultimately made that decision for people, but the decision is made, and, and now I think it's time to rally. It's been really surprising to see the level of hatred towards Nikki Haley. Um, I have been blown away by like how mean Tucker Carlson has been to her and others are just like they're, they're ba- basically making her out to be like literally a demon from hell. And I, I think she's, you know, I think she's a real moderate. I don't think she's nearly as um, strong on a lot of things as Trump is. I think she's a war hawk, but, but I don't think she's a demon. And so I, I but she's getting that, demon uh, money though, Mark. Yeah, and I think Democrat, that's what rubs people the wrong way. The Democrats love her. She might not be a demon, but the people who are, are funding a lot of her stuff. And I don't that's know true. about that. Okay, that's fair. I mean, she definitely, but you know, some she would argue, I'm sure, that why why would she turn down the support of even Democrats when she wants to widen the Republican tent as far open as it can possibly go, which is in stark contrast to like the crazy Laura Loomers of the world, for example, who are literally saying DeSantis should never be forgiven for having the audacity to run against Trump and that he should never be allowed, you know, a 
seat at the table, that he that no one should ever forgive him. He can never be he can he should always be basically shunned for having you know for daring to run in a primary against Trump. So I I don't understand this whole attitude that some people have of wanting to reject potential votes for their candidate. Like that makes no sense to me. I don't necessarily think that it's rejecting potential votes. I think a lot of people are looking at this going, what are you up to? Like I'm open for moderates and people in the middle of the pack who are legitimate uh, having to choose between the candidates. That's awesome. That's fine. But when you've got Democrats trying to run to New Hampshire and vote a certain way to sway a primary for a candidate that they're not even going to vote for, you look at the LinkedIn co-founder, he's put a lot of money into Nikki Haley. He's on the record saying, oh yeah, I'm totally going to vote for Joe Biden again. I think that's a red flag for a lot of people. That I mean, that definitely is, and there and surely there's a lot of of sneaky Democrats who are playing you know shenanigans exactly the way that you describe. But I suspect there's probably also a lot of centrist and moderate people in the middle who would in no way vote for Trump over Biden, but they would vote for Nikki Haley over Biden. And so you know you can look at it from from both angles, I guess. Chatting with Mock from the Chicks on the Right program here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Did you did you see how uh, Donald Trump has? Of- I've officially retired the nickname to Sanctimonious. I've retired. I've got his endorsements. Isn't that a surprise that uh, Ron DeSantis uh, endorsed Trump? Is it? Well, I, I, I don't know how um, enthusiastic an endorsement it was. <laughs> like, if you listen to his tape, you know, he's basically saying, I made a pledge that I was going to endorse the nominee, and I'm going to keep that pledge. It's looking like Trump's going to be the guy. And I think he's probably more America first than Nikki Haley. So, you know, I don't think he was, like, jumping yeah. up and down with excitement about it. But I think that that sent a strong message, um, well, not only to Trump, but to his supporters saying, listen, I'm going to get on this train, and now it's all, everybody, all hands on deck to beat Biden. So, the future of Ron DeSantis, again, one of the best governors in the country, despite what Laura Loomer may say. (laughs) Um, 2028, not that far away, Mock. Does he have to do anything different? What would you like to see Ron DeSantis do differently if he wanted to be the guy to take the Republican Party into the next generation? Well, I think assuming that Trump wins re-election, I think all that DeSantis needs is to, is for Trump to be a kingmaker and to simply say, "This is who is going. This is who will uh, best take care of the country from here." And as soon as he has that, I think that even you know even the the DeSantis haters that were so mad at him for running against their boy Trump, I think even they would be like, "Okay, it's time. It's time for the most effective governor." Basically in the history of the country to be the leader of the entire nation now. I would like to see, and this is where I think his campaign went a little squirrely, he was too mild during the campaign. I want to see the fiery Florida governor. I want to see the guy that was up there drinking beers at a ball game. They tried to make him too corporate suit, right? And that's not who he is. Making him have awkward smiles at debates and, you know, (laughs) little things like that. You never see Donald Trump having awkward smiles at debate. He just stands there with that scowl on his face, and that's who he is. They tried to make Ron DeSantis to somebody that he wasn't, and I think that was a mistake. 
It probably will. I mean, there's definitely truth to what to the things that you're criticizing him for, for sure. But I also saw some of that fire. I mean, we've seen him battle the media time and time again. And sure. I don't think he I think in every single debate, he was clearly the winner. Um, and I, I so I don't think he stepped a foot wrong. I think in many ways, it, it reminds me of like what it might have looked like if Mitch Daniels was running for president, because I love him. I mean, I love Mitch Daniels, and I cried for three days and, like, stuffed my face with donuts when he decided <laughs> not to run back in the day. But but I can see people responding in the exact same way to him, saying, well, I mean, he's, he's just got no – there's no fire. There's no charisma. It doesn't matter that he is the best possible person for the job. We just don't see enough of a personality. And, and this is a very personality-centric country, unfortunately. I hate the fact that you could eat all these donuts. Donuts and you look amazing. Like Mock, you know, could eat a whole thing of donuts, and her thighs are still athletic and tan. I have a piece of one, and I look like Chris Christie. Well, I, you haven't seen me in a bathing suit lately, so. What are you it's working on? That, it's not that great. With the Chicks on the Right program, what's coming up? Well, we're talking about a lot of the same issues you guys are, of course, all the news of the day. And so we're getting ready to do that once again at 8 a.m. Eastern uh, Standard Time on all of our platforms tomorrow morning. Mock, you're the best. Thank you so much. Thank you. It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. That's Jason Hammer right over there. The doobies. Let's get away some doobie tickets, shall we? Caller number nine right now. 239-9393. August 17th, Ruoff Music Center. The Doobie Brothers. Opening act is Steve Winwood. This is a hell of a show. So if you want to no go to the kidding. show, wow. all you got to do is be caller number nine at 239-9393. Now, Nige, yes. in honor of the Doobie Brothers and the tickets we're giving away, how about great moments in Doobie history? <laughs> okay. This is from The Office, where Michael Scott was acting like he was high. Dude, where's my office? I totally lost it, because I was half-baked, smoking doobies. Doobie brothers, I was smoking doobies with my brothers. Peace out, Seacrest. Great moments in doobie history. Uh, I, love, I love how people call them doobies. I, I believe the age limit or, you know, the over-under on age that people refer to them as doobies is. Is it our age? I think so. Our age yeah. and older. Our age and 46 older. and up. So, if, oh, by the way, if you didn't get through, we have more Doobie Brothers tickets to give away all week long, correct? That is correct.